Welcome back to the From the Porch Swing podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Nathan. And today, I'm going to be a little quieter because Nathan is going to be more of our host. And I'm more of the co-host. Oh, are you sure you want to do that? Well, you know what? Can't change it now. Oh. Could you at least uh, tell us what we're talking about? No. Oh. Can you? No. Oh. I don't know what we're talking about. Maybe it's raising apologetic children. I feel like I mentioned that last week. I hope that's what you prepared. Uh, it's very possible. We'll okay. see. So since that seems to be a biblical topic, we should probably start with a word of prayer. Probably, even though we pray over every topic. Hmm. True. Look at us. We're just so banterish. It's like we're married or something. Oh, that's so true. Are we? I mean, I thought I was there. Okay. You probably were. All right, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for tonight and this chance to have another discussion. Um, at this time, a very important discussion. How are we going to raise our kids to be apologetic? How are we going to be the Christian parents that we need to be That's to tell our kids how to defend their faith? Lord, this is a huge topic, and we ask for your help while we converse about this and it's in your son's name i pray these things amen you're, you're, oh, you're oh. leading <laughs> you're right i did this last time too uh i'm leading this you are yeah so i guess if i'm going to start with this by leading and i'll follow okay like a submissive right life. oh ooh, hey whoa don't trigger anybody just yet kim it's a triggering episode we no, gotta get them warmed true. up very true Let's start with apologetics, the word. What does it mean? To know. I wasn't asking you. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead and answer that. To be able to defend your faith. There you go. That's what the apologetics means. It's a very basic term or a very simplified version. Knowing what you believe and how you can defend it. That is apologetics. Now, if we're going to be raising our kids to be apologetic... That's where we need to talk about it. What does it actually mean to do that? But in doing so, we need to think about our own faith. How do we defend our own faith? Because we can't ex- we can't teach our kids something that we don't understand ourselves. Or expect them to do it if we can't. Right. I know I'm great. No, yeah, you're doing <laughs> you're doing a fantastic job. So that's a good point. We shouldn't expect our kids to be doing things that we're not doing. Because kids learn from their parents, both in what we say and how we act ourselves. And more importantly, how we act ourselves. I, did I just say that? I know. I'm saying like that's like they pay more attention to what we do versus what we say. Like just kind of how it is. Oh, okay. I guess what you mean. All right. So reasons why we need to raise our kids this specific way, knowing how to defend themselves, knowing what their faith means and what their faith is. So I have four to five subtopics. And the first one is number one. Is that number five? <laughs> the first one is number five. No, the first one, number one. Truth matters. Now, what do you think that means by itself? Not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lie. 
Thank you for describing the word by using its antonym. You're welcome. <laughs> no, the truth matters. Truth matters. Now, what is truth? That's a question that kind of hits a lot of different people in different ways around the world these days. Well, truth does matter. It's not my truth. Oh. Now, what do you mean by my truth? You've never seen Couples Retreat? I have. The shark scene, or the, I guess the aftermath I, of the shark I know scene. my truth. I know my truth. Did you just say you know your truth? I know my truth. <laughs> yeah. In this day and age, everyone has their own truth. Not their own opinions, not their own thought process, their own truth. Now, if everyone has their own truth, what is the truth then? I don't know, because I remember, you know, like when you were in kindergarten and you go and tell the teacher he hit me, but then it's a nice he said, she said situation. And then the teacher's like, well, I guess you're both right. Well, no, he either hit you or you didn't. It's kind of, you know, straightforward. Yeah, it seems like there should be an absolute truth. And there is an absolute truth. What is that absolute truth? The Bible. That's right. God's Word. God's Word is the absolute truth. He's the absolute maker, creator of everything. And he His Word is not false, which means it's true. And if everybody has their own truths, and especially if they go against what Scripture says, then that means they are not truth and they are false. If everyone has their own truth and truth is just an ambiguous thing that is only related to every single person or individually, then we don't have order. We don't have anything but chaos. Everything is a lie if everything is a truth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. Is that confusing? No. Okay. It, it makes sense. There should be only one truth one answer not only should there be there is is only one truth the truth what god has created what god has said and we believe the bible is what god has said so there's always one truth now there's it's okay to have an opinion it's okay to have a different perspective but if those opinions, those perspectives, those truths, in quotes, go against what God's Word is saying, then we know those are not truths. Right? Right. Mm. So there's number one. Are you feeling okay with that one? You know what? Pretty good. All right. Good. But before we move on to that one. <laughs> so today, Christians today, we live in a world that i shouldn't say world western culture we live in a country right society sure we live in a society we live in a country america us we live in america if you didn't know that uh where we don't have to defend ourselves that often we are as as christians as a whole in the united states we get kind of comfortable where we're at we don't have to worry about people trying to murder us for our faith yet we don't have to worry about people breaking into our businesses or throwing rocks to our homes or or glass or whatever. We have just kind of gotten really comfortable, really complacent. And the danger with that is when we are comfortable, we start to become weak. We start to become, well, complacent was the word. We don't have to defend our faith anymore. We don't have to know everything because people are like, oh, you live your life, I'll live mine, we're all good. Until you offend them. Until you offend them. And then they attack you and you don't know how to defend yourself. You know Even what I mean? Even when it's not about the Bible. 
Right. So we need to be strong in our faith. We need to be strong in God's word because if we're not, if we are not ready for those attacks, we're going to be unprepared and weak when the time comes. And unfortunately for us as Western westernized Christians, we haven't had to worry about that, which means we're getting comfortable, which means we're getting in trouble. We're going to get in trouble later. You know what I mean? I do. Good. So the truth matters, everybody. There's number one. Number two, apologetics will help create our and our children's worldview. Now, what is worldview? Like our own spectacles. Oh, you stole my thing. Yep. Oh, boy. Yes. How you view the world, to use the words in the definition, that's what worldview is. How you view it. How you look into the world. What's the filter or the lens that you are seeing the world in? Now us, we're Bible-believing Christians, so we see the world through that perspective. If you're a humanist, you obviously see it through, oh, humanity is the, the highest evolution. You know, it's all about what we can do as a human race, blah, blah, blah. And then it, there's a whole other things that philosophy classes are, are filled with. Yep. Right. But when it comes to faith-based... Scripture is the way to be, and that's if we are raising our kids to understand the Scripture, know what Bible stories mean, know what Jesus is saying, we are helping them create that lens, that biblical lens to see the world around them. And to do that, we really, us ourselves, but then with our children also need to spend a lot of time in the Word to know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, why is this important? What is, why does worldview matter? Are you asking me or them? Uh, anybody who want to answer? Anybody got their hands up? That person over there. Okay. Yes, sir. Wrong. You couldn't be any more wrong. Sorry. Don't raise your hand again. All right. No. But, like, we can just look at certain things, like uh, current affairs in the world, current world events. We can look at current world events through the lens of Scripture a different way than most people do. Now, I hate to say... I don't hate it, but a huge thing that's going on in the world is what's going on in Israel right now and in the Gaza Strip and all that kind of stuff. There is so much anti-Semitism right now, not just from the world, but from Christians themselves, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, like the amount of hatred that there is, whether it's, I mean, just people that don't believe in God, hate each other. But then when you really believe in God, they hate you even more. <laughs> and then there's us Christians, well, not us Christians, but there's Christians, in quotes, who hate other people. Like, I, I don't understand where this, this anger, this hatred, this, not really word, but this meanness, I guess, kind of, like, comes from, like, is it really that hard to be nice? <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> More than being nice, being loving. Yeah, like, you don't necessarily have to really like the person or whatever, but, like, you can be nice. You can get, get along with somebody. At least I feel like you should be able to, but people can't. Uh, correct. Going off of your point, yeah, it's the stereotype of the Christian. They're, hip they're hypocrites. They're judgmental. They don't love people. They don't follow what Jesus says, and that's absolutely true. Those people who are judgmental, who are hypocritical, who are unloving to their fellow 
like their neighbors, they don't understand understand scripture the way they should. Correct? Correct. Yeah. So that's the point that Kim was making. But then I'm looking at points of Christians not or being hateful towards Jewish people. That doesn't make sense to me at all. How how can you read the Bible and think, oh, I'm now God's chosen person because I follow Christ. That means the Jewish people don't matter to God anymore, and we should just kill them all. There are people online that think that way, who profess to be Christians. Can you believe that? You know, I feel like I shouldn't be surprised with anything nowadays. But it's sad. <laughs> that sounds like a very defeated attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sad. It's sad that like that's like the, the reality, that the people that should be loving because that's what we're called to do is to be loving to others are also kind of hateful right now oh yeah I, it it doesn't make any sense except the fact that you don't know or don't believe what you actually think you do yeah those christians aren't really christians in the way they think they are <laughs> i got what you meant there good job so today is sunday um we had a but not for you listeners. Yeah, you listeners, who knows what it is. Um we had a rabbi actually come and speak um at our church service. He's a born again believer, but he's still a rabbi and um he was asked to talk about the anti-semitism thing and he's told us something very shocking to hear that the Jewish community right now feels so abandoned by the Christian community. Which again, it doesn't it blows my, it blows my mind. How can you think that, or how can we abandon God's people? And you're like, oh, again, maybe uh, they're not God's people. What if you know, Christ followers are God's people? Well, come on, you haven't read anything then, anything in the Bible. We are are we are Jews abandoned altogether? No, there are always going to be God's chosen people. What are we grafted into? We're grafted into the Jewish faith. It's go back to Genesis. Go back to go back to Genesis. <laughs> who is what? Who is? I'm I'm so flabbergasting. It heads out. God called Abraham and the Jewish people to be the light, not the light. That's not what I'm thinking. Because Christ is the light. They're the nation that blesses all the other nations. It's through Israel that all the nations will be blessed. Now, some of you might be thinking, "Oh, that's just because Jesus came from Israel." Well, there you go. Boom. <laughs> Jesus was Jewish. How can you how can you think oh the Jewish people are are non-existent or not uh, not relevant not you know God's chosen people anymore they are so us abandoning Jewish people right now just proves oh your worldview is wrong your understanding of the Bible is wrong yeah it's you're you're twisting things to well, I mean people twist things all together and we'll get into that later we will um, how do you know. I glanced at your notes. Oh. And now you made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> yes, I'm back to my old ways. Keep going. Okay, she's she's really out of it. <laughs> okay, anyway, so there you go. Raising apologetic kids. Why? Because, come on, truth matters. You know, it also matters how you view the world. Okay. And both of those things will be instilled in them as you teach them how to defend their faith yeah because we're not they're not going to live with us forever sadly i uh, don't don't um, don't remind me and 
even hypothetically, if they were, we're not going to be around for every conversation they will ever encounter. So we can't be there as backup all the time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, and while, like, this might be something we talk about later, but why believe something if you don't know why you believe it? Hmm. Yeah. Valid question. Maybe that's a question for you as a listener. Why are you believing the things that you believe if you don't know why you believe it? Anyway, let's move on. Here's the third thing. Raising apologetic kids will help them with relationships. Now, what does that mean? You know what? Let's talk about it. Kim, what do you think that means off the top of your head? A relationship. Uh, dating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dating. Good. Thank you for your input there. No, it'll, it'll help you with your relationships because we will understand what God is calling us to do with not only fellow believers, but also people who don't believe. Mm, that relationship. There you go. That's right. That relationship. Now, Christ calls us to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Yes. Yes. Good. On we go. On we go. But I'm wanting to to focus more on the non-Christian side, our relationships with other people. If we understand our faith and we understand why we believe the way we do and we have the knowledge to defend it, we also have the knowledge to have a, a proper discussion with our non-believing friends or coworkers or family or whatever. Because what do you think wins people to Christ more? Emotional yelling or logical dialogue? <laughs> I mean, I love when people emotionally yell at me. It's so much fun. Like, please, someone emotionally yell at me. Yes. <laughs> Yes, berate I'll her as much run as you away. can. <laughs> that sounded like sarcasm. What's your actual answer? Uh, the latter. The latter. That's absolutely right. Usually you would win someone over to your side. You would change some change somebody's mind, not through yelling, saying, hey, you're going to hell, man, or blah, I believe this and you should believe it too. It's more you have the facts, you have the verses, you have the 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 common sense even sometimes to talk your faith through all the way through with someone and they can ask questions and you can answer questions. You can have a dialogue. You can have this time to actually reach somebody for Christ and just being emotional the whole time. Even if you get emotional, you just cry because the spirit is feel like you, you know what it's like to be a Christian, what it was like to be, to be, a sinner, that might not win anybody over because they're like, oh, you're just crying right now, and I don't know why you're crying. Yeah, because usually if people are unbelievers or um, were at one point, or maybe they grew up in church, but they never like fully came to faith, like they're filled with questions. Like they have all of these questions. There's so much of the Bible that they don't understand, and they want answers to. So if you're able to provide them with the answers... They don't have as many questions anymore, and things make a lot more sense. There you go. That's good. That makes sense to me. Uh, so this guy, we've talked about him on the podcast before. Uh, you want to guess who it is? C.S. Lewis. You, you do it. C.S. Lewis. That's because I talk right. about him like between him and the Ingalls family. I mean, we, we've, we've hinted at quite a few things. 
I mean, we should be getting paid for like promoting. Yeah, I think so too. Where are our sponsors? Feel free to email us sponsors and will you may or may not take up on it. Anyway, C.S. Lewis, he in a memoir said that when he was, when he made his decision for Christ, the person who talked with him about it, it was a, a logical dialogue. And he said, what won me over was the logicalness of it, not the emotionalness of it. That's a paraphrase. That's not the exact quote. But he's saying the facts that were put before him were so undeniable that he couldn't resist it. And where did these facts come from? They came from another person. Which came from? Which came from apologetics. That person's apologetics. And they knew their Bible. Correct. They knew their Bible. So what's going to win people over for Christ? Is it going to be more of, you know, an emotional rant or logical discussion? Yeah, I mean, like, just in general conversations, do you want to have this emotional yelling battle with somebody or would you like to calmly talk to somebody? Right. There's a correct answer. There is a correct answer. Uh, We will leave it up to you, the listener, to figure it out. All right. So I like the dramatic pause. It's good. Number four. I feel like we're moving just right along here, like real fast. Lightning speed. (laughs) Lightning speed. Number four. I will give the title In the Last Days. Now, that's, that's not a me saying that I think that we are in the last days. However, I feel like we're always in the last days. Yeah, because we don't actually know when the last days are. That's right. Christ could come back at any time. He can come back in the middle of this recording and we won't be able to release this. And you'll have no idea how to help and your And you'll never know. <laughs> so if you are listening to this tomorrow, he did not come back tonight. That's right. So, yeah, we're kind of always in the last days. So when it's saying in the last days, just be like, ah, that's current events. But again, I'm not saying, I'm not one of those people that say, oh, I know when the last days are going to be, and it's going to be this day because of this thing, whatever. Just know that. He's going to come like a thief in the night. Right. Like, it's in scripture somewhere, but even like Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. Yes. Jesus himself and the angels don't know it. Only God the Father knows it. We know we're in the season of the last days, but you know what? Seasons are, you know one-fourth of the year there's a lot of days in that season so we have we could still be in spring we could i don't think so i think we're i think we're in the right season but we have no idea when the right day is that's just my opinion another you know this season could be another hundred years or a thousand years who knows but anyway in the last days there are going to be something called false teachers dun 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 Yes, false teachers are going to arise. And you know what? I got some actual Bible verses here. Let's hear them. Are you sure you want to hear them? Maybe. All right. Let's start with Matthew 24, 24. Everybody turn with me to Matthew 24, 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, the elect. Now, this is Jesus talking. And Jesus is actually talking about the last days here. So the first verse I chose for you 
is actually talking about the last days. When the last days are coming, people are going to be like, whoa, there's the Christ. And some people are going to be like, whoa, I am the Christ. Follow me. And you know what? They're going to be so persuasive, show the right signs that even the elect may be misled. But, you know, like thinking about it, I just don't understand how you could fall for them. Because if scripture is saying that they're going to be like, I'm the Christ, be like, haha, you're not. Because he's coming back. <laughs> like a thief in the night. That's interesting that you would say that. How could someone who is elect, which means, what's another word for elect? Uh, a Bible-believing Christian. There you go. That's someone who's saved. Someone who has put their faith in Christ. So even an elect person may be misled. How could someone who is believing in Christ be misled? You know, it's puzzling. It's puzzling, but it's not puzzling at all at the same time. Yeah. People easily believe so much, so easily. Like, it, it's kind of scary how easily you can, like, your trust can be lost or gained by, like, like not even trying. <laughs> like, like, come. You should, like, like, just think about it influencers like people will like buy anything just because so-and-so says you should buy this because it'll change your life <laughs> don't get me started on influencers okay well my point was saying that even people who believe in christ who don't understand their faith or understand the scriptures will be misled and you might be thinking oh that can't be that easy to mislead people uh did you live through the past couple of years yes. someone on the tv was like hey uh, there's this sickness that's killing the entire earth. You should do all of this stuff. And everybody went along with it. Everybody. And now there's vaccines. And for some reason, you guys, there's now prescription. Yeah. Have you seen those commercials? A prescription for COVID stuff? That's hilarious. Y'all got the vaccine. Brought to you by Pfizer. Do you trust them anymore? Guess who we're not sponsored by. Yeah. <laughs> sponsored by Pfizer. Do you trust us? I don't think so. Well, that's, uh, we're getting too political here. Thanks, Kim. You brought it up. I did, actually. No, even the elect, they're going to be misled because they don't understand their Bible. Someone will be like, hey, look, this guy did some sign, in quotes, and people will be like, oh, that's the Messiah. I better go. Oh. Yeah, oh. Oh, I'm from the Midwest here. Oh, there's the Messiah. I got to go follow that person. I'm making Kim laugh pretty good here. <clears throat> yeah. Don't be that kind of person. Make sure you know. Don't be a Midwester. No. Uh, make sure you know your Bible. Make sure you know your faith. And you know what? Your kids' generation is going to get worse. Or they're, they're, when they're older, when they're adults, the world is going to be so much worse. And if they don't understand their Bible, they are going to fall away so fast. They're going to be misled so fast. And it's it scary kinda, to think about. Yeah, it could be very scary to sit here and think about, like, like my children. Like, right now, they are safely tucked in their beds, no harm coming to them. And, like, the thought of, like, harm coming to them is kind of terrifying. Yeah, and as parents, we need to prepare them for all the dangers that are coming, whether it's physical or spiritual. And there are spiritual battles coming our way. Yeah, and it's... It's like this comforting thing to be like, you know, when you send your kid out into the world, you know, you generally think of like, oh, yep, they can take care of themselves. But you also want to send them out knowing that you've 
done everything you can to lay their foundation and they're going out armored up. Correct. Well put. Next Bible verse. Acts 20, verse 29 through 30. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Now, what's interesting about this passage? Paul wrote it. Uh, Paul probably said it. Oh, okay. I think Luke wrote the book of Acts, Cam. Ha oh. <laughs> ha, gotcha. No, anyway, what's interesting about this passage is we all know the wolves in sheep's clothing analogy. But where are these false prophets coming from? Inside. Inside. They're coming from within from the church. Now, you most likely go to a church if you're a Christian. Do you think when you go in there on Sunday morning that you have people around you that are false prophets and false teachers or wolves? You know, you generally probably don't think so. No, you don't think so. But guess what? They're there. And I'm not saying you should distrust everybody at your church. That's not what I'm saying. But there are going to be false teachers inside churches that try to mislead people maybe not even intentionally maybe it's just satan using them but we need to be firmly rooted in our scripture in god's word so that we we could point those people out and be like well that's not right and if they're genuine they'll be like oh that was a false teaching my bad then they'll repent of that and go the right way but some of them do it on purpose to try to lead people away. There are so many people in churches around the country, around the world, that are solely there to gain power, to divide the church, to take followers away so they can have this power, I guess. Right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of times, I feel like, um, not not in every case, but I feel like generally, they're going to be likable because they're going to they're going to have to be to mislead you. <laughs> yeah, like usually. You're not going to follow the bad guy. <laughs> usually if someone comes into your church and starts swearing up a, uh, up a storm and saying crazy things, the church usually doesn't divide over that. Yeah. It's usually a charismatic person who is likable, like Kim said, who, who knows their Bible really well where they can just distort it enough to, yeah. to lead people away. And, and I guess if you're going to talk about leading them away they're also going to want to like eliminate get rid of like people that are following scripture who are teaching the truth because that's someone they're fighting against sure sure yeah that makes sense yeah so that that passage is kind of scary because it's again it's from within it's people that you might know it's or something i have no idea people you trust yeah people you thought you trusted and and again maybe maybe it's a mistake or maybe it's whatever that they can repent of but sometimes that's not the case and we need to be wary of that we need to call it out when we see it next verse first john chapter four Verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, I know a lot of Christians that are like, 
you know, I saw this sign. It was amazing. It's got to be from God. Well, is it from God? It's hard to tell. Some miraculous things might not be from God himself. We need to make sure we're testing the spirits. We might hear a preacher or a speaker, and they speak with such conviction. It seems like they have this great authority, but then they say something that's just a little off. Or you're like, wait a minute, that contradicts God's word. Maybe I should test this. And where should you test things? Going back to the word. That's absolutely right. Like our pastor, I mean, you guys, I'm not trying to be biased. He is my father-in-law, but he, <laughs> I feel like he d- does something very smart and he will remind the congregation all the time don't just take my word for it just because i'm up here preaching to you don't just automatically trust everything i say yeah yeah again my father (laughs) (laughs) so i grew up with him i kind of understand that he's you know usually right but yeah, if I hear something, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Or, you know, where's the truth come from? The truth comes from God's word first. It's not about the pastor's truth or your truth. Maybe you hear something, you're like, oh, I don't know if that's right. And you look at the scripture and you're like, oh, wait, it is right. All we can do is go back to the actual truth, and that's in God's word. So make sure you're testing spirits, testing pastors, testing uh, your own thoughts or maybe you had a dream one time and you're like oh is that dream from god let's look in the scripture and see if that whatever it was contradicts anything and if it does oh that dream is not from god at all yeah we're not saying testing in the sense of walking up to your pastor and quizzing him no not at all <laughs> like don't be like what is the answer to this tricky question yeah be- go <laughs> yeah in doing so you might be that divisive person that we talked about before no uh you should do it in private first, but then maybe bring it up to someone who's teaching falsely. But anyway, that's different. That's kind of different than what we're actually trying to talk about. So there you go. That's that's that passage. Now, the last one that I want to talk about is from Second Peter, and it's in chapter 2. Actually, the whole chapter 2 is kind of all about false teachers. All right. So start reading. Okay, here we go. Verse 1 through... Uh, 100. No, I'm just kidding. Not 100. No, I'll just go through the first verse. Um, if you want to read through all of Second Peter, go ahead. It's a great read, and it'll really help you out. Verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce divide, or destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. So where are these false teachers coming from? Within. Among you. Us. Yes. Bringing in destructive heresies. Denying the master that bought them. Who's that master? It's Jesus Christ. They will start denying him, which seems crazy. How can you be a Christian if you're denying Christ? Probably weren't really a Christian. Whoa. That's pretty blunt there, Kim. You know what? Truth hurts. Yes, it is. But, I mean, you can just look at some major churches or major denominations and be like, wow, they don't talk about Jesus at all. They only talk about either God the Father or the human will or, you know, God wants you to have this. 
or there's so many options where they just kind of leave Jesus out of it. That's one way of, you know, denying the master. Red flag. Yeah. That's one way of denying the master. Or we'll talk about it later, saying like, oh, Jesus is a good way of doing things, but there are other ways too. That's denying the master also. And there are going to be people within, among you, among Christians, among your society, among your community that are going to bring in these things. So if all these false prophets are, false teachers are around, Bible is making it very clear they're coming. And they're already here. Many of them are already here. How do we fight that? Well, first we need to, we need to know. We need to know what God's word says. And we need to know, we need to be able to defend that also. Because guess what? These false prophets are going to know the Bible very well also. Yeah. But they're just going to twist it a little bit to tickle the ears, as they say, of people who don't have the strongest of faiths. Yeah. Our rabbi even today. Our, our, rabbi, our rabbi our the rabbi today at church this morning um you know brought up ephesians and it's one of the verse or, or yeah the verses the chapters that i read almost daily and it's like talking about putting on the armor of god because there is going to be spiritual warfare all the time that we need to be prepared for and we need to arm up with the word of god so we can defend Everything that's going to be attacking us. Nice. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Nice job, Kim. Way to bring that back in. So, yeah, these false prophets, they're here. And you look at our society, our world around us. It is slowly and by and sometimes even fast, quickly, going downhill, away from biblical principles, away from righteous living. The world is slow. I shouldn't say slow. It's going down. Yeah. Very fast. And you know what? Because Christians are so kind of weak right now, especially in America, we're very comfortable and our faith is not being tested. Our our lives aren't being threatened or whatever. But yeah, our faith isn't being tested. So which means it's not getting stronger. It's not we're not getting well versed in how to defend it. The world is changing, but do you know what's not changing? The Word of God. The Word of God is not changing. That is correct, but I was going to go with uh, the spiritual battles are not changing. They're just as intense as they've always been from the beginning of time. And if we are getting weaker, but spiritual battles are still at their height, there's like no hope for us. Yeah. There's no hope for the younger generation if we are just going to keep on getting weaker and weaker and weaker in our faith and spiritual battles are staying the same. Satan and his... Angels, his fallen angels, are not going to, you know, get weaker and weaker as the time goes on, too. They're going to stay right where they're at. And they're going to attack and they're going to use the world against us. And you know what? If Christians are so weak in their faith that they don't even defend themselves, they don't stand up to evil, Satan's going to use that. And it's not going to be fun to stand up to somebody. Like, I'm not one who likes confrontation at all. Uh, so please don't start yelling at me. Uh, but uh, it's we're going to have to get uncomfortable because it's going to happen. Yeah. It's not comfortable. But that's a good thing, in my opinion, to not be comfortable because you are forced to defend yourself. Yep. And you're going you're gonna to have to in, in some manner. 
Like, you're going to have someone somewhere, whether it's a friend, a relative, stranger on the internet. Like, someone's going to attack you at least once, if not multiple times, in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are passive, if you are hiding from this attack, if you are not standing up against evil, in your passivity, you will be used for evil. You just look at churches who don't want to go against the cultural grain. I don't know how many churches I've seen that have had flags outside of them that are not American flags. Let's go. Let's just put it that way, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Very cultural flags. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Okay. That is not. Well, it's not. Well, it's not loving for one, but it's also not standing up for your faith. It's not being good apologetic warriors and saying, no, this is what God's word actually says. Yep. Now there's a difference between, you know, trying to, or not trying to outreach to those people. And there's, okay, let's rephrase that. There's a difference between outreaching to those people and condoning their actions. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Because even like Jesus, like he came to seek the lost. He ate with tax collectors, the sinners, like, those are the people he sought out. So we can seek them out, in a sense, without applauding. There you go. Now, yes, Jesus did eat and hang out with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors, but a lot of those churches that say those kind of things also forget to say, Jesus also said, hey, go and sin no more evangelize to them yeah tell them truth with love yeah you can be loving and not condoning yeah it might not sound like love to them but it is if you you have to you have to tell them why why would we allow someone to live in sin and then not say anything about it which is more loving to try to get them to live a righteous life and tell them the truth or ignore it and just hope that things work out I know the answer from my answer, but anyway. All right. Anything left on that one there, Kim? Nope. Okay. So, your kids and yourselves are going to hear so many things that are false teachings. Now, I'm going to give you some examples here. We don't have to talk through every one of them, but it's to get you thinking. Things that you're going to hear that you should have an answer for, that you should instill in your kids, these people or people like these are going to ask you certain things like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the first one, let's go with a big one. That's very simple. Uh, God doesn't exist Hmm. or God is dead. Remember that movie? God. Yep. Every atheist will say that most of the world will say, Oh, I don't know if God even exists. How do you combat that? Think about it. Using both using scripture and using the world we live in. How can you say, no, God does exist, and I'm going to tell you how I know that? Yeah. I mean, the amount of evidence around just kind of proves it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Paul. The evidence is overwhelming. Paul says people are without excuse because they have creation around them. Yeah. You should know that there is a divine 
or intelligent designer. Let's go with that. Oh, that's a triggering phrase. I don't care. Well, here's another one. Oh. I don't know how someone cannot say a baby, whether in the womb oh, or boy. coming out of the womb, about to emerge, is not real. <laughs> you mean it's not a baby? Yes, it's not. It's not a baby. It's not living. Like it's it's nothing. Or how can you look at a baby or your children as however old they are and say, God's not real? <laughs> right. How can you look at all of the things that, even just a fetus, <sighs> uh, a baby in a mother's womb, how could you look at everything that is a human being and say, well, that's not a baby? Or someone didn't create that. Yeah. This baby happened by accident. Like, what? Sorry, this this fetus happened by accident. We're not getting cultural lingo here. Yeah, I don't care. I just don't care. It is a baby. Yeah, it's a baby created by God. God knew that baby before he was even conceived. Or thought of. Or thought of. That spark in their mother and father's eye. Or twinkle. Whatever they say. What do they used to say? A twinkle. Okay, a twinkle. twinkle <laughs> whatever. Yes. So, we weren't supposed to talk about the actual answers, but that's one of the big ones you're going to face, and your kids are going to face. God's not real. Okay, how about this one? Hell's not real. So, where is everybody going? You know what? There's a whole lot of Christians that believe that hell isn't real. Have they read the Bible? I don't know. Obviously not. I don't know, Kim. (laughs) That's the thing. I just don't know. Okay, so there's that. There's uh, legalism. People say, you know what? You have to follow every single rule in the Bible to be saved. It's what I do that gets me saved. It's not by what God did or what Jesus did. It's by what we do. If I do enough good things, then I'll be saved. he was a good person. Yes. Who was? Whoever died. That's what they say at funerals. He was a good person. He went to heaven. He was a good person. This man was good. He's in heaven right now playing that harp on a cloud. Yeah, you know, he was probably good, but if he didn't believe in Jesus, he's not in heaven. There you go. Hell, is hell, which is real, is full of good people. Which, which is sad. Which is sad. But that's all that matters. It's about, have you chosen Christ or not? That's what matters. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to have enough good works outweigh our bad. It's a matter. It's a matter of are we in a right relationship with God through Jesus? Yep. <laughs> yep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What? We'll talk about that one right now. Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven. That's what. what yeah, it's called universalism. Everybody, there are plenty of people, plenty of Christians that are Unitarians. No, is that the word? I forget. Universalists. Where it means there's a plethora of ways to get to heaven. It doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you are faithful to whatever that belief is, you will go to heaven. Love wins. God loves us all. So as long as you're trying, you're going to get to heaven. And God does love us all, but we have to make that choice to love him back. Yes. Again, hell is full of people that God loves. Truth. (laughs) And you had mentioned a verse. Yeah, I... Right now, I have to remember what I was saying. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Absolutely. That's very simple. That's John 14, 6. That's a very simple statement. It, yeah. it might be hard in practice to do. You have to make that choice. You might not want to make that choice, but guess what? At, that's the only choice if you want to be with God the Father who created everything who lives or who dwells in heaven. Yeah. And like the whole works attitude, like, or, yeah, like God makes it very clear. Like if you want a straight answer, he gave you one. This is what you have to do. But to go on, like, you will know my faith because of my works. So my works isn't going to save me, but I'm going to do works because of my faith. Yeah, it's that, uh, that. It's in James. Yeah, it's that, uh, sorry. What's the analogy I'm looking at? Uh, Two sides of the same coin. There we go. Where faith is what saves you. However, if you don't have works, is your faith even alive? So it's kind of, you need both. But but the one is only going to save you. Right. But the faith is what actually saves you. And then the product of your faith is works. So if you say, oh, I'm saved, but then no works come after that. Is your faith actually real? Probably not. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, evolution. Ooh. That's going to come up in your children's lives, especially if you go send them to public school. I'd recommend not doing that. Yeah. But you might have to. That was the first time I had to defend my faith. Oh. It was in a science class. Tell us obviously that, evolution. Tell us that story. Um, you know, I don't remember how the topic got started, but obviously <clears throat> evolution was the topic. And, you know, the teacher was going on and I decided to be bold and tell her she was wrong. <laughs> and uh, I... You know, we had a nice conversation about it, and I got, she's like, you don't believe that things change? I'm like, no, I believe that things change in the sense of adapting, you know? You can adapt. Yeah, that's a, it's the difference between micro and macro evolution. Like, I don't believe that a fish turned into a bird, but I believe that things have adapted to different environments. I'm pretty sure it was fish to lizard. Oh, what? You know what? Whatever. Yes. Cross species. Gorilla to man. That's macro where species change. Micro is where certain genetics are passed down that help species adapt to their environment. Mm -hmm. I believe in that one. Yes. Just not the other. I just don't believe in the other one. So, yeah, that one, evolution. Now, I'm not saying that you have to believe that. You know, the earth was created in six literal days or were the days eras, whatever. That's I wasn't there when it was created. I personally believe that it was six literal days and that the earth is only 15,000-ish years old. But that's just me. I'm not going to die for that one because that, uh, ultimately that's not really what matters. What matters is what your... did it. Yeah, <laughs> that God did it through Jesus Christ, and it's our view of Jesus that actually matters. I'll die about that. And if you're shocked that it was through Jesus, go read the book of John. John. Nice job. Yep. So there, creation versus evolution, that's something you're going to have to talk about uh, with people because they love going to that. Anyway, we'll get, we'll just go past that. Here's one. Uh, God gave you a heart, and you need to follow your heart. Because it will never lead me astray. It will never lead you astray. Your heart is... What Pure, makes you you? Good, straight and narrow. 
No. I can't I can't think of anything dumber <laughs> that someone could say. How many girls or guys fall in love with the wrong person? Uh most high schoolers. Present company excluding. Right, that's why I said most, not all. Sometimes it works out. Nice job, babe. Air five. Woo. No, even Jeremiah says it. Like the heart is stupid, it's corrupt, it it will lead you astray all the time, if not constantly. Don't believe your heart. Don't believe your own truth. Believe in God's heart. Believe in God's truth, which is what he says and what he has done for us. So follow your heart. Dumb. Don't do it. Whatever. Now, prosperity gospel. That will be something that will be brought up. What is that, Kim? Do you know? I did. (laughs) (laughs) What changed? (laughs) Uh, The fact that, just so you guys know, this is our second recording because the first one uh, failed. Uh, yeah, we and had it's some, approaching midnight. We so had some my bad. brain is failing. <laughs> we had some bad audio because of a certain microphone. Mine. Yeah, that's why you buy mine. Yeah. Which is probably mine's, cheaper than mine's yours. Mine's like two years old. Whatever. Okay. It it was. All right. Um no, prosperity gospel. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be wealthy. If you believe in him, he's going to take care of all of your needs. And he's going to give you a car. And he's going to let you have $200,000 in your wall. And all this kind of stuff. Like, that's what prosperity gospel is in a, in a satirical nutshell. Basically, God wants you to be happy and wealthy. Um, and if you follow him, he'll give it to you. But isn't that like counter scripture? Because doesn't it say <laughs> that we will scripture. be, you know, persecuted and will suffer? Uh, yeah, Jesus never promises any of that stuff except suffering. He does promise that. We have experienced that a time or two. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Oh no, of course not. It's never fun. <laughs> But when we suffer for Christ, we should count it as joy because we will get a reward for that after we die. We'll get a reward in heaven. He does promise rewards in heaven, but nothing here on earth. Yeah. I mean, we suffered pretty greatly last year. There was still some good sprinkled on in. Like It wasn't a totally tanked year. But um, through our suffering came really growing our faith because there was literally everything was out of our control. Um, Our plan was not his plan and we had no control over the situation, but to trust him. And when people like would ask us like, how are you guys doing? And it was like, you know what? I am completely at peace with our situation. (laughs) Like it was like that peace that surpasses understanding like, just having that faith and like he is going to some way work this out and we're just gonna literally blindly trust him because we couldn't do anything. Yeah, it wasn't our own peace. It was definitely divine peace, which uh, I'm thankful for. Yeah, because if it was me controlling me, I would have been a basket case. I would have lost all my hair. Yeah. Kind of hard to do that. Hey, 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 (laughs) calm yourself. It's true, though. But anyway, now, we've said a lot of things tonight. And just like the analogy of a plane going down or having trouble, I should say. <laughs> mayday, mayday. And the, and the, ga- the 
the oxygen masks come down. The the example is you got to put your oxygen mask on yourself first before you help your kids out. Now, that analogy we tried to use before in another episode where it didn't work out. This time, it actually does fit. When it comes to apologetics, before you start teaching your kids, you need to start knowing where you're at. Yep. Where, like, if you don't know the Bible, if you don't understand your own faith, how are you supposed to teach your kids that? I'm going with you can't. You can't. You have an obligation to know it yourself before you give it to your kids. Just because your kids, they learn from you, from your words, but also from your actions. So if you're telling them something that they're like, we don't see you do that, Dad, uh, they're not going to either respect you for it or listen to you. Or believe you. Or believe you. Yeah. Absolutely. So make sure that you know where your faith is before you do anything with your kids. I agree. Do you have anything else to say before we move on to the closing? You know what? I think we should close. All right. Well, to close, where should we start? Yeah, your challenge. Well, before we get to the challenge, where should we start? With scripture? Yes. Perfect. If you are wondering, how do we start this process of raising apologetic kids? You need to start with scripture. And a good way to, good place to start is the Gospels. Tell the story about Jesus. If I was to give you an example uh, or uh, advice, I would say go to the book of Mark or Matthew. Those are good ones because Mark is kind of like the highlight reel of Jesus's life. All the big events. Jesus walk on water in Mark? Yes. Did he feed the 5,000 in Mark? Yes. Did he die in Mark? Yes. For our sins? Yes, he did. So start in Mark. That's a good one because that's that'll be all the fun stories uh, for your kids. And Matthew's very good at that too. Luke can kind of get a little wordy. John can get a little philosophical. So let's, you know, whatever. And then after that, go to the big stories of the Old Testament. But not only that, you need to explain what these stories mean. You can read a story to your kids and they'll be like, oh, that was entertaining. And that's it. If you don't explain what these stories mean or what God is trying to speak to them through these stories, uh, it's kind of pointless, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, our oldest, we were on our way home yesterday and Nathan was like, I'm going to tell you guys some Bible stories, but I'm going to paraphrase and make it entertaining. And, like, Michael knew all of the stories. And, like, surprisingly great detail <laughs> i mean surprisingly and not at the same time because he is our logical kid like he, yeah <laughs> um but he is like he knows his stuff and it can be surprising sometimes how much he remembers and pays attention when you're talking about like important things like the bible it's also reassuring um but like there was one time at um VBS where they were teaching about David and Goliath and we all know that story but the the teacher ended it with you know the big finale of David killed Goliath with a rock and a slingshot but our son being the knowledgeable kid that he is said and then David took his sword and cut off Goliath's head and then the teacher was like Ugh. he's not wrong and I'm not going to spare him the details of those those fun, bloody details. Yeah. But the Bible's not just for kids, everybody. It's for us adults, too. Yeah, so it's good that we have instilled those stories in him in such detail that he just 
remembers things so well. But now the work on the the why. The why do we yeah. believe that? Why is it important that David cut off Goliath's head? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, not like that. Um, Yeah, no. Why? Why are these stories important? What do we need to learn from these stories? That's kind of the work that you as a parent need to do. It's great that you're reading Bible stories to your kids, but the why is also what matters. So that's a good place to start. Now your challenge. Dun dun dun. I've already kind of said it. But we're going to say it again. In order to teach your kids on how to be apologetic little warriors, you need to know where you're at. Where do you stand with your own faith? Now, your challenge is this week to to really ponder, brainstorm, think through your own faith. Not deconstruct it like they, some people say to do, but to think through it. Could you answer those examples that we brought up earlier? Could you answer, oh, God's not real, or hell's not real, or what about the prosperity gospel, or all roads lead to heaven, or whatever I said? All of those things. Do you have an answer for those that are biblically sound? If the answer is yes, perfect. Move on to your kids. Start teaching them. If you're like, oh, maybe I don't know, that's where you need to start. So that's your challenge. Where do you stand when it comes to defending and understanding your own faith? And then join us next week for a part two on how to raise your children. But instead of talking apologetics, we're going to talk about raising ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about feminism, femininity, masculinity, chivalry. You know, those good qualities that people don't have anymore. This sounds like a you episode. (laughs) Yes. All right. I'm going to be leading again, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So join us again next week while we talk about raising our children to be ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you then.